This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party! Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, how weekend nights have changed from youthful nights of out drinking and debauchery to recording podcasts. I never actually really went out on a weekend. Really? Yeah, it was expensive. I went out midweek. Well, see, when I was when I was at university, I went out midweek, but when I was at home, I used to always go out on weekends. I finished the shift at the local supermarket after working 10 hours for £3 an hour, then go spend that £27. Actually, yeah. On a night out, which that £27 got me a full night out and a taxi home. Sorry, they were paying you £3 an hour. £3 an hour for Okay, right. Not being funny, I was working at Iceland at 21 and I was getting paid £6 an hour. I was eight, I was 18 at the time. Okay. No, sorry, I was 16 at the time. So I was under the age. Oh yeah, when I was underage, I was getting like three pounds an hour again until I moved to Iceland. Got a got a living wage at sixteen. <laughs> got like a fiver an hour. It was great. All went to the local rock club. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, hello and welcome to his film, her movie. Hi, I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren, and we are the podcast that takes a situation or theme. Both picks a film and discusses them. Yes. And what are we doing this week? We're kind of, we're doing like a throwback to kids' films. The way I was trying to describe it was the films that we watched constantly when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, those nostalgia-driven kids, yes. kids' memories. The ones that my if, when I told my mum which film I was doing this week, she was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sick of that." Kind of looked like you were in Nam flashbacks. Just- <laughs> yeah. Because we only had the TV downstairs, so it, I know that this film was on so much when I was younger. <laughs> so then, so yeah, we're doing these kids flashback movies, and they are of a certain time because we are kids Old. of the eighties. I am not a, well. No, I'm not a child of the eighties. Well, I'm more nineties. I know, but you were born in the eighties. The very end of the eighties. <laughs> So, what did you choose for your childhood th- throwback film? I thought you were going to say, your childhood thrill. <laughs> it's like, that's not quite the right way of doing this. I picked the um, 1991 film, An American Tale, Fievel Goes West. Right. The sequel to An American Tale. It is the sequel to American Tale, which was a lot better known. Yeah. Um, But this was the second film um, in this little... Yeah, I think there's quite a few sequels actually that came after this. Yeah, I think yeah. it turned more into like a TV sort mm, of thing after this. Like straight to video. Yeah, a lot of straight to video type things. But when we were started discussing it, this was 
This was mine yeah. that I could always, always remember. And um, for this one, actually, it was, um, it was the only animated sequel distributed by Universal right. that they actually released theatrically up until Despicable Me Too. Wow. So, okay. And we can talk about it, it being released a bit later on when we get into the into the review of it. Yes. But my choice was 1992's, so the year after you. Yes. Film The Mighty Ducks. Quack, quack. The sports kids movie starring. Shockingly picked a sports film. Starring the one and only Emilio Estevez mm-hmm. and a very, very young Joshua Jackson. Yep. I mean, who would think he would grow up to be such a heartthrob in Dawson's Creek, to be honest? By the way, if anybody wants to discuss Dawson's Creek, Jordan was obsessed, still is obsessed. Dawson's Creek is a great TV show. It's like me with Buffy. It is so <laughs> over dramatic and angsty. And like some of the dialogue in that film, like 45 year old people don't understand. It's wonderfully written, it's hilarious. <laughs> But no. We're just gonna have a podcast about Dawson's Creek. Let's let's do that. Let's just, just let's, scrap let's, the films and let's talk about Dawson's Creek. Can we not do that? Because I actually didn't really watch it. <laughs> but no, um, I preferred non-sparkly vampires with bad prosthetics. <laughs> I love Buffy too, to be honest. <laughs> but we might as well get into the episode. Really, yes. um, as always, we are Pod Syndicate. You can go over and see all the other great shows on that network. Um, at wearepodsyndicate.com. There are many great shows. Yeah, like and review us on whatever podcast chaser that you have. And yeah, tell your friends. Say, okay, there's this film podcast out there. Go listen to it. They sound like fun. Yeah, why not? They sound like they like to go to the pub. Yeah. But only in the mid-afternoon because we're old and we like to go home for a nap. True. That is very, very true. Yeah. But, so should we start with your pick? We shall start with mine. Why, howdy, fine mice. I'm in desperate need of help, y'all. It seems that I've come into possession of some railway tickets to the West. Tickets to sunshine that I will be unable to use now. Surely there are some of y'all looking for a little elbow room, y'all. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you. There are problems out west. There's a lot of bright sunshine and fresh air. But after these opulent, aromatic sewers, that might be frightfully upsetting for you all. You all, y'all. Sorry. I reckon I'll take one of them tickets. I'll take a 15. Now just hold your horses one gold darn minute, y'all. There's plenty for everyone. Yes, siree. Are there any cats out west? There certainly are, partners. And if you have any prejudices against cats, you better stay put. Because on the frontier, cats and mice help each other. So the uh like I said it is the 1991 film Five All Goes West. It was directed by Phil Nibelink and Simon Wells. And the brief synopsis of this is um we see Five All and his family who are now in America, yeah, living in New York and they are basically sold the dream 
of moving out west to the wild west yeah and when they get there it's meant to be a utopia of cats and mice living in harmony but it turns out it's not quite that and life is a lot harder and the mice have actually been tricked and it's up to Fival and his friends to save the day yeah um, what's quite interesting about this is it's kind of based on the propaganda that was going about for uh, U- actual U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early like 19th, 20th century, uh, sorry, late 19th, early 20th century, it was really sold, the Wild West, to uh, the U.S. Um, uh, what's the word? U.S. citizens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about, you know, you can go out west, there's loads of land and you can live the American dream, you can build your dream house, you can do this and you can do that. So a lot of people moved out west from the inner cities believing that there would be this great land of opportunity. It's a whole gold rush as well. It was, yeah. And it kind of, there's like little mice who were like, oh, there's gold. It's like, "Mm, is there? (laughs) Is there going to be any gold left? So it's kind of based on what was happening in the actual human counterparts. Um, and then of course you get there and life's actually a lot harder than what was sold to you. Um, but I picked this film because there was a lot, there's like loads of little bits that kind of, I remembered. Um, uh, it was very interesting rewatching. Um, so how long has it been since you rewatched it? Oh God. Like now I rewatch films a lot. I rewatch films a lot more than you do. Mm-hmm. I've got a big nostalgia thing, but for this I don't think I've sat down and actively decided to watch this for at least 10 to 15 years. Like, I've maybe caught little bits of it on TV, but I've never actually gone, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch this film. So it was really interesting for me to watch. Um, I remembered little bits. Like, I remembered um, the... Basically, the, the way they sell the... Um, west to the mice is by one of the cats has like a little mouse puppet. Yeah. I remembered the mouse puppet in that, which I always thought was um, quite funny because I remember thinking when I was a little guy, how are they not realising that's really fake? So I remembered that. I remembered um, Tanya, five old sister, singing. Yeah. Um, And do you know what sounds really stupid? There's a scene towards the end where she washes off like her little mouse makeup and she you see like her face reflected. They did that before Mulan because Mulan did the exact same thing by like going, mm-hmm. oh look, your makeup comes off so easy with just a handful of water. Lies. Lies that we were sold from being young. Um, and I remembered the ridiculous costumes that the cats wear. <laughs> but I didn't really remember anything else. And watching this again was really interesting. Like, it's produced... One of the producers was um, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you can kind of see whilst watching this, they're trying out maybe... Trying out new special effects and new things. There's a lot of um, smoke sort of things and dust things going around that look like early computer-generated sort of things, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And the language is very adult. 
in it. In what sense? Um, well, one of the uh, bad guys in it, he's called Cat Arwal, yeah. who's played by John Cleese, or voiced by John Cleese. I don't think there's really a sentence in there where he's not speaking in a very flowery, over-the-top language. And um, the what the way the way he speaks, I can't. I remember. I don't. I don't remember as a child being going. I don't really know what he's talking about. Mm. But as an adult, I watch it and I'm like, this is actually. He's like, I'm so debonair and charming, and I do this and this and this, and you know, he's like, I'm going to restrain myself and calling the mice crudités and all kinds of things. Yeah, like, yeah. As a child, that's not language that you're used to, but you automatically know that he was bad by the language that he was using. Yeah. And then as you watch it as an adult, you can kind of see he's meant, the, the kind of character that he's meant to represent in society a lot more like the well-to-do, making good of like the little people, the people that are beneath him yeah. and working on like like the whole, uh, I want to say like trickle-down economics, like where they, you have all the people working very hard, the person at the top gets very powerful and he's meant to then help everyone below him, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he doesn't, he just takes advantage and then wants to make mouse burgers. Mm. Mouse burgers. And it is what well, one thing within this film, um, and I, and I wish it went into more. And you've got the idea, um, of you <laughs> five or goes and watches as Cleese's character basically does the James Bond thing. Yes, he and t- tells his entire plan, yeah. and he's talking about how yes, no, what we're we going to do with the mice? We're not going to eat them. No, we're going to exploit them for free. And then we're going to eat them. So there is this idea of slavery. Yes. Um, again, and, and going back into the, the first one, but I'll carry, let you carry on with what you want to say before I tell you my thoughts on the film. Well, again, and then watching it again, like there's loads of really, there's like loads of famous people in this. There is um, James Stewart, who plays Wiley Burp, the dog. And I remember you going, oh my God, that's James Stewart. I've got you to watch a James Stewart film. And I'm like, Actually, I've got you to watch a James Stewart film because he plays a dog in this yeah. film. Um, then um, Dom De- Deleuze. Dom DeLuise. That too. Um, John Cleese in it. John Lovitz is in it yeah. as well. And thanks to John Lovitz's character, I think we now know why I'm scared of spiders because he plays Tula, an awful spider who is just... I didn't remember him being like that creepy looking. Yeah, the design's really, really kind of upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it's a really upsetting thing. Now I know why I'm scared of spiders. It's because of this film. Um, yeah, and it's definitely something that I look back on it and it's something that you can watch. There was little bits where we both had a bit of a giggle at like little things. Um and it's silly and it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Um this version, I don't know if we've got a certain version, but there is a certain version where there is a penis drawing All right. in there somewhere, but I couldn't find out whereabouts exactly that <laughs> is. But then that was found in nineteen ninety seven and then took it took it out. Right, right. So no right, I have had this film pretty much since it came out. We've got my mum's It'll be in the loft. We can get the tape and we can try and find it and then laugh at a penis. <laughs> um, 
But again, it, it's something that I watched and I enjoyed it again. But I think I enjoyed it on a different level because I understood more of it. And I I could see that it was a lot darker than what I thought. When I was little, I remembered the mice and the singing and them, yay, they're all safe and everything's good. I didn't remember the James Bond villain style. Yeah, yeah. The scary, terrifying spider. Um, and I didn't remember the, the basic thing of like, we're going to treat you as slaves and we're going to keep you in poverty and then kill you because you're expendable. I didn't remember that. So it was very interesting to watch it again. Um, I could see where my mum has Vietnam flashbacks to this film because I do remember watching it. <laughs> so I could totally see why um, there are parts of it where you know the cartoon maybe is a little bit rough um, I, I think you see like double outlines on a couple of things um, but I think I think it's a, it, it's I think it's a nice film I think it has held up there's not a lot of social references that age it um, a little bit of the special effects age it, but it's a cartoon. It's 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 yeah. the type of it's the type of medium that's gonna last as long as it hasn't got too much social stuff. It's gonna last. So, yeah. what did you think? Because uh, I actually hadn't seen this. No, you hadn't. And what it is, and again, it's one of the things you don't really want to start trying to be <clears throat> critical over a film that isn't aimed at you. You know what I mean? I'm watching this film is a 30-something person, and it's made for kids. Yeah. So therefore, you also got to have that bit You've of a... You've got to try and have your kids' glasses exactly. on. Exactly. So there are parts of it which I, I didn't like. There's parts of it that I did like, but the issue that I have with it is that it comes off the back of what is genuinely a very, very good movie. Yes. American Tale, the, the, the first original the 1986 or 1988 i'm not really sure is a brilliant brilliant film mm-hmm. um a, a brilliant kids film and this one where <clears throat> it it did have some aspects of the commentary of, of, of certain times where but i don't did don't think it had enough it was just yeah. like sort of little bits of um sort of nuggets here and there where american tale i mean american tale you look at it and that entire film mm-hmm. is about the anti-Semitism that was thinged in Russia at the turn of the 20th century. It was about how immigrants were treated in America when they came over. It was about all those sorts of um, big political issues, but done with mice and cats. And like you've got the, in the opening of um, American Taylor, the Cossack scene with the cats attack, it is terrifying. And the, the, the peril that they go through is palpable you understand mm-hmm. why they want to go to america um and you've got all the idea of america being the land of the free and the land of the brave and, and when they get there and- when they get there they realize that you know what even though it's better than where we were we've still got to work damn hard mm-hmm. and we're at the bottom of the food chain being mice as a, as a bit of a literal, a pun, food, chain. literal food chain so 
But that, again, it's like it's like they maybe rushed this one. The last one was such a big, you, and it, this came out like only a couple of years. Well, it was like five years. Well, I don't even know if it was that, but it's still by the because it's it's at the time where it would release in America, and then you got to remember it was a, yeah, yeah, it, yeah stuff used to release six or seven months after here, like and then. And then there would be like what another year until you could get like the tape of it. I remember there being a huge amount of time in between you seeing it on film and then at the cinema and then being able to have a copy yeah. in your house. So I don't know if they maybe saw just how big it was until the VHSs started going out. And then in that time, it would have gone around the world, done everything, and then they're like. It, Let's it, start it, it, another it, one, and it's maybe been a little bit of a rush. It story. does feel rushed. I mean, the fact is, it's seventy-five minutes, including credits. Yeah. So I think it's seventy-one minutes as a, a runtime of a film, which is quite short. Um, but again, you could watch it many times in one day. But again, I think it would have benefited from being a little bit longer and actually extending some sequences because mm-hmm. you've got, like, again in the first one where Fivel goes missing. He's missing for a portion, a, a quite large portion of the film. Yeah. And yeah, this follows the same sort of um, structure where they got on the train, he he gets lost again. Thanks to the scary spider. Thanks to the scary spider. But do you know how long he's lost for in this film? How long was he lost for? 12 minutes. That's so, a long time when you're a mouse. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You don't really get you don't that get, sequence. Yeah, uh, you know that he's going to make it back. Yeah, in the... In, like his family don't really even seem that nonplussed. Like, oh, high five when he turns back up. It's there's no sort of big hoo ha about it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that that sort of irked me a little bit. The fact is, okay, you'd expect him to be a bit more developed. Um, I would Dom, expect him to stop buggering off and getting himself lost and into trouble. The the voice cast. Is great. Dom DeLuise is always a joy to watch because he brings so much energy to it. Yeah. And it seems like the animators bring as much energy to their animation as he does to his voice. Yes. So it fits really well. And yeah, Jimmy Stewart is in this. The only thing that I have, and it sort of breaks my heart, yeah. is this is Jimmy Stewart's last role. Yeah, I know. And it's just like, what a way to go out. Don't get me wrong, like his voice and the design for that dog go incredibly well. Yeah. But it's... It's not the best film. It's not the best film for someone But at the same time, it's an easy one. You just got to sit there and just talk. Just talk, yeah. The guy was, what, 89, 90 when he he passed? He would have been, yeah. So it meant, it was just, it was an easy paycheck. Yeah. And it's like that, that animation, that animated style, like you're talking about how it looks rough, but that's what I love about it. It yeah, looks, you like a little bit of it. It looks like art. Mm-hmm. Now, in the opening sequence where you've got Fievel's dream sequence when he's with Wiley, it looks so good. Yeah. Like how the camera's going round. And like, it's just the character design as well. It just looks vibrant. It's like there's the scene in the sewers and you get the point of view as if you were riding yeah. the sewers with them. And it makes me think of like when you... When you go to Universal and you play and you go on like the rides there, you've got the rides where you put like the glasses on or you're in front of a big screen and it's like you're in the film with them. Oh, absolutely. And that was, that was, looks really good. And like the colours and it was like blacks and dark greens and it was all spooky, but you were like literally riding waves with them. And, and we're talking about those like computer effects and like there's a big one at the end. 
and literally the final shot is a because the camera actually goes kind of 3d mm-hmm. and you get you get to see all the angles of the characters when it comes down now that was like a big deal oh god yeah however what we ought to think about it, it, there's two little nuggets of information is this film came out the same weekend as what beauty and the beast beauty and the beast yeah so watch that a hell of a lot too but you know, it, it just completely got lost. Like, oh god, yeah. How good Beauty and the Beast is, and this, and, and the other one was, I think, John Cleese um, chose to do this role instead of being Mr. Cogsworth. Yeah. In Beauty and the Beast. By the way, also thank you for stealing my uh, my. Was fun that a fun fact? fact? That was gonna be a fun fact. Sorry. Stealing my fun facts. That's okay. I've also got a really, I've got another a couple of really good ones. But that was gonna. Be, yeah, he did. He did. Turn just like, I bet he's gutted about that because but it's also like what was the um the the thing with robin williams he took on was it fern valley mm-hmm. um when they wanted him to do um aladdin uh prince of thieves and he said no to disney and disney like we've got to be the genie and we're like mm, i can do whatever i want and then they were releasing th- disney were releasing things at the same time that is it Fern Gully? Fern yeah, Gully, Fern yeah. Gully. And he put all of his energy in his, into, I think it was like Bartok, the cute little bat. And Disney just completely went, bulldoze you. Yeah. And that film, Fern Gully, is beautifully shot. It is gorgeous. And Disney was just like, no, nah, we can put anything out this weekend and we will eclipse you. Yeah. Because they were trying to get away from the fact that Robin Williams was in that film and not a Disney film. Yeah. But it's the same with John Cleese. I think that if this film came out a separate weekend to Beauty and the Beast, I think it would have done very well. Yeah, maybe it would. Um, The thing is, it's just the fact that I I think the first one has a little bit more of an appeal to all audiences where this is very much tailored to the attention span of a child which is exactly what it, 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 yeah. I, I can't criticize it for what it's meant to be it ticks all the boxes for, for being, what it's meant to be yeah maybe not for an adult watching it but again it's sort of like you're talking about dom de, dom, dom de louise as tiger as tiger and we've obviously covered him in another film with secret of name mm-hmm. and just what he brings but again there's a sequence this again it's filmed 71 minutes take out credits and there's what at least a two minute chase sequence between Daggett and dogs at the start of that film where it didn't <laughs> need to be that long. It's like, just get your, get going. Get into the plot. You've got to know how much he hates dogs, though. Yeah. That's a, that's a part of the plot. But yeah, I, the thing is, there's parts of it I enjoyed, parts of it I didn't. Some parts of it I was bored in and when you got this film of a short length span, you really shouldn't be bored. Mm-hmm. And also... The songs aren't as memorable. No, I don't remember the songs. I just remember her singing. But that's it. I I still remember somewhere out there. And I still remember um, There's No Cat in America. Yes. And the streets are paved with cheese. And I haven't seen... (laughs) I haven't seen American Tale in... God, I'd say probably 15 years. Okay, so next week we're going to watch American Tale. But but, but I still remember those songs. So therefore, they're memorable and they're sort of singable where these ones were a bit more... They were just put in there because it felt rushed. Yes. But I no. Agree. Um it, it was a nostalgia. It was a nostalgic film for me. I would um I would definitely like 
um like for like if our kids wanted to watch it i would definitely be like yeah, yeah. i'll watch it with you it's a nice easy easy film that's it so um, should we start with mighty ducks no Oof, oh because i got some fun facts there we are although you uh you know you stole a load of my fun facts Okay, so there is a bit. This is this is the fun fun fact that I actually really liked that you don't know and you haven't hinted towards or anything like that. When Fivel is riding the tumbleweed to um the 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 town um and it does um it plays Rawhide yeah in the background. That's actually the John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd version from the Blues Brothers. All oh, right, because I love the Blues Brothers. So as soon as I found that out. Um, it was like, great, you know, love a bit of John Belushi. Um, and then what else was there? Let me just go over my notes. Um, other ones were things like, things were cut later on for like kids scenes. We mentioned the penis was cut out. Completely understand that. Other bits, like when Fivel's at the start pretending to um, shoot, him shooting a gun, that was cut out of being on certain TV. And there's another bit where Catterwall, um is grabbed by a human and hugged. She's got rather large boobs. Well, that's what I did. Yes, that was cut out as well, twice. No wonder it's creepy. She's got huge boobs. But it's like, she's, all she does is she grabs the car, brings it into a... Like, literally... Pushes her into his boobs and just says pussy about 50 times. Yeah, that was cut out. Very strange. Very strange. Though she did get him in a rather cute bonnet and booties. <laughs> and I don't think, Pie, will let me do that. No. No, she'll just no. attack me. Yeah. Whilst I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on? We'll move on to the Mighty Ducks. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. <laughs> so join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day-glow sentimentality? to try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context. Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. 
Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will not find find that here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will will not not find find that here. here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you will will not not find find that here. here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk. The Ducks? We're the Ducks? Man, what branded jerk came up with that name? As a matter of fact, I did. But I didn't have a choice. We're being sponsored. By who, Donald and Daisy? <laughs> hey, you don't want to be Ducks? You'd rather be District 5, some stupid number? Better than some stupid animal. I'll have you know, Peter, that the duck is one of the most noble, agile, and intelligent creatures of the animal kingdom. But they're wimpy. They don't even have teeth. Neither do hockey players. (laughs) Have you guys ever seen a flock of ducks flying in perfect formation? It's beautiful. Pretty awesome, the way they all stick together. Ducks never say die. Ever seen a duck fight? No way. Why? Because the other animals are afraid. They know that if they mess with one duck, they got to deal with the whole flock. I'm proud to be a duck, and I'd be proud to fly with any one of you. So how about it? Who's a duck? So yeah, The Mighty Ducks is a 1992 film directed by Stephen Herrick. And as I said before, starring Emilio Estevez and a very young Joshua Jackson. And it's the story of Gordon Bombay, who... Sounds like a type of gin. Yeah, and he's a... Yuppie. A yuppie, yeah. He's a big-time lawyer. Um, he's Hot 30 and all. He's lawyer. So he... Um, likes his shoulder pads. He does. And a bit of hairspray. <laughs> and he gets done for drink driving. Mm-hmm. And part of his sentence is to do community service at what what becomes, we find out, is the same area where he grew up with in Minnesota. Minnesota. And he has, part of his community service is to to coach the local ice hockey peewee side. I have a question. Yeah? How did he get this job? Because... What I personally wouldn't want a convicted drunk driver anywhere near my children. It's true. Like, uh, they don't do any sort of CRV check on him. It's early 90s. What, there, there, there was no checks of <laughs> There was files. no standards in the mid-90s. There was no 90s. standards in the mid-90s. <laughs> so, and, and there we find out that that um, hockey side is... District 5, he turns into the Mighty Ducks and they are terrible at ice hockey and it's a rags to riches 
um, story of how these people, how these kids can become title contenders. Yes. And there's one thing to know about me when thinking about this film. I love a sports movie. Yeah, he does. I love everything love about sports. it. I love the formula. Um, I normally love the structure, and I just love how generally that they're paced because you, you you can literally look at a minute and say okay it's a sports movie it should be right they should be round about i don't know getting slightly better there'll be a montage of them getting slightly better there'll be a montage of them nearly getting there but missing out and it's 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 like the chemistry of it all okay everybody loves a good montage okay as Made famous in the um, Team America song. Yeah. My sports films that I do like, I like Cool Runnings, Waterboy, and um, what's the one with Sandra Bullock in that you don't like? The Blind Side. I like The Blind Side. That's it. But you're talking about Cool Runnings, this very much has the same structure as Cool Runnings. Except there's less annoying children in Cool <laughs> Runnings. But why do I like this movie? Um, is it a good movie? I don't think it is. No, it's but not. But I, mean, I remember watching this film probably around about, say, 1993. So, so I, would, I would have been about seven at the okay. time. I remember, my, I remember renting it from the local video store. Shout out to watching, Blockbuster. No, it wasn't Blockbuster. Do you not have a Blockbuster? We had one in, in, in a nearby town, but our local one was just a local independent video store. I remember watching it, I think, three times in the space of a night. And I watched it the next morning. And I remember getting shouted at by my dad because I watched it. <laughs> and he it was he had to give it back late. So therefore, it incurred charges. Oh. So that that's still, in, that's still in my memory. And it, it's, it's a film that I go back to. I probably haven't seen it in about five years now. But I just think it's good family entertainment. It's, is it a good movie? Probably not. But there is so much enjoyment that I get out of it. Like, I think as a kid, I wanted to be part of that group. Like, it was a hangout movie for me. Okay. I liked the kids. I liked the sport. I mean, God, I, I got roller skates. And, and hockey sticks after this movie. It's what... It's how... It, it moulded your childhood. Yeah, and I love the sequels as well. Like in the second one, where they do the um, Junior Goodwill Games and they became become, become Team USA. And then D3, when they got to college. Oh my God, how many of these films? Am I There's three. Can I, just, can I just watch Electric Boogaloo again? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's... For me, it's a good time, and I, I get a lot out of it. Okay. I, I find it kind of charming, kind of funny, kind of cheesy. Um, it's just funny to see where people's careers start. I still uh, the first. This is the first time I've realised that this was ninety two. Yeah. Emilio Estevez was in eighty five. Was in Breakfast Club. How old is Gordon Bombay supposed to be? Because he looks in his mid thirties. Yeah, he does actually. No, uh, actually, no, he looks. He looked. I don't think he looks mid thirties. I think he looked... Oh, yeah, mid-30s, yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, we're mid-30s nearly, yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? I just don't understand, like, how he's got from... Because he's such a hotshot liar. What do you think about it? Um. Okay, I can totally see about the family-friendly and the, you know, good 
clean, fun type of thing. I like a film where, you know, an underdog rises up. Yeah. Like I said, love a good montage. Love people learning. There's just things about this film that really irk me. Yeah. That being children. <laughs> okay. Um, they feed chili to a dog at the start to make it poop. Yeah. That is just mean to the dog. Okay. <laughs> mean to the dog. Um, there's a creepy old German man sharpening skates in the middle of the night with no kind of eye protection. Hello, serial killer. Um, for a time, there's only one girl on the team. Shock horror. She's also the only good player until they get another girl. Nice to see they've got a blonde and a brunette. Really going for the diversity. But there. the fact that they have a girls in, the, in this it is quite good, especially for back then. Where yes, it is very good for back then because it was. And again, like, it's a very seen as a quote unquote a male sport. It's a violent sport. Yeah. Um. That Aberman child, the one who keeps on doing impressions constantly. Aberman. I don't know what his name is. All I know is he needs to be put down. Oh, God, no, he's great. Hated him. <laughs> Every time he opened his mouth, it's like someone slapped that child. And the thing is, I do not believe in hitting a child. <laughs> I wanted to smack him and be like, you must have, like, a real personality. Stop pretending to be Paulie Shaw. Because nobody likes Paulie Shaw to begin with. So don't be somebody that nobody likes. Um... It was also really uh, creepy that Charlie was setting up his mum to go out with Gordon. He was like, oh, look, she's gagging for it. Go out with my mother. That is kind of weird. It was really, really weird. Um, it was kind of, it's, it's got like a nice heartwarming ending. And I like the fact that Gordon becomes like a father figure, especially after he loses his dad so early on. I think that's really, really nice. And I like that whole thing. Um the thing that really stood out to me in this film that kind of happens in it is the fact that he gets fired for supporting a kid's hockey team. Yeah. The fact that that can be... A fireable offence. A plot line in a film. Like, I have... like when you As you watch it as a child, because I remember watching it when I was younger, not when it first came out, but like, you know, under 10... I remember watching this film and being like, oh, no, he's going to lose his job. That's so bad and everything. I watch this now as an adult and all I think is, your labour laws are buggered. That it, It's scary because there's still labour laws like that. Um, but I, I think what it does as well, because as, as, a, as a kid who played sports, um, team sports in particular. Shockingly, I was not a child that played team sports. But, but it shows I just cycled. <laughs> It shows you like how important it is to people, but also, yes. but also the unimportance of it. Like the fact is, being part of a team and understanding like where you can succeed and mm-hmm. where, when you fail, and it does show you those ideals. And I do like that, but it also shows how it is just a game. Yes, which is what I always say to you every time Spurs lose. But it's it, just a game. But it's not. <laughs> it's not but yeah it's 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 you identify with that sort of 
thing that goes on throughout the film of, of wanting to get better. And obviously, and Conan Bombay actually has a very good arc throughout he the movie. He does have a very good arc. It's he a starts good, off as an awful person. Uh, yeah, so he starts off as a very greedy, very self um, aggrandizing person. Mm-hmm. Just completely into himself and then grows to love these kids and grows and turns his back on that life that he lived before. Yeah. And it is a good arc. Um, and the kids, the effect, the effect that he has on the kids and the community and with um, Charlie's mother yeah. and being a father figure, I mean, that doesn't carry on throughout the films. I don't think the mother comes back at all. <laughs> Does she not? No. I don't think. Uh, I also got a little thing that I have to admit. What? Um, so when you said we were watching the Mighty Ducks, um, I forgot that this was the Mighty Ducks. Right. And I actually thought we were going to be watching a film about Huey, Dewey and Louie, Donald Duck's nephews. Right. I thought we were going to be watching about them and I got like, oh, maybe like Darkwing, the <laughs> Donald Duck superhero. I got really disappointed when, I, when you switched it on and I was like, this isn't Donald Duck. This is like an actual film. <laughs> that maybe was why I was also not feeling it because I was like all up for some like cartoon magic. Yeah. And then I realised it wasn't and that I'd gotten the wrong Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Sorry, Completely <Anne>. different. Sorry, <laughs> And Finally, I mean, the thing is about Mighty Ducks is really not much you can talk about it about because it's... It's very lightweight. There's not really much going on underneath, really. No, it's, it's all very taken at face value. It's taken at face value. It's a kid's sports movie. It's an underdog, underdog story, and that's what you take away from it. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do take away from this film, I still think it's one of the best qualities of it, is it has a really good theme. Like, the score. Oh, the theme. I thought you mean, like, theme, like, working together theme. Oh, no, like, I mean, mean the the, the actual, yeah, the the, the theme tune of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm going through it in my head now, and I can still remember it. And it's just very much, it works well for the situation of, like, Mighty Ducks win at the end. So when they win, and that score surges, it hits you, it, it properly manipulates you to think, get in and you really want and you're really happy that they've won <laughs> and they've beat the Hawks and they've beat um, the other coach and oh he's getting all emotional because he loves mm. this film just so much <laughs> I just don't like team sports so for me I just just like yeah it's alright it's, it's we a, kids beat each other up a little bit more because it's like being like real hockey that uh, I don't really I can't really add anything more because it's it's kind of a personal movie as well just because mm-hmm. you grew, I grew up watching it so much and those, all those movies and yeah you get attached to characters because some of them come back for the sequel some of them don't mm-hmm. um and yeah I mean I like Charlie and I like Haverman and I like Jesse and Goldberg mm-hmm. uh, and even now, I can still remember all the names, and I can still remember. I can't even get one written down correctly. <laughs> it's because they don't say their H's. I thought his name was Aberman. Oh, Aberman. Actually, actually, to be honest, it might be. I'm not sure. But yeah, no, Mighty Ducks. If you haven't seen Mighty Ducks, and you're gonna watch it as original, like first time as an adult, 
it's probably not going to have the same effect on you as as you are when you were a kid. But if you're watching it with like a seven year old kid, I bet you they love it. I I, I, I think this was my favorite film <clears> with <throat> a seven year old. It's just one of those where, yeah, in, in Fulton Reed, it's like just that character and the fact that that guy went on to be have the career that he did <laughs> as a ginger. As my, I don't know. Like I think it's quite. We've done a couple of kids ones now yeah. and I find it really interesting because I didn't watch live action yeah. as a kid. I could reel off all the kids films I used to watch and nine out of ten of them will be a cartoon. I didn't watch live but, but action. It's interesting to see as well at the same age what the two boys and girls are watching Com- yeah and it's because completely I, different. I say things I'm like have you seen this and you're like no and I'm like how have you not seen like this Disney film when you're like well it came out as a kid I was a boy I didn't watch Disney princess films yeah. whereas I'm like if we have a boy he's gonna know all the Disney princess films I'm gonna show him pictures he's gonna know everything but again it's the sign of the si- the times have completely changed yeah. And it's but, but the thing it's a sign of the kids' films. I mean, we live in the year of Pixar now. Yes. And we live in the year of Pixar <clears> where <throat> they make films not just for kids. Like you look at something like Inside Out. Yeah. Right. That film <clears throat> is so vibrant and so bright and obviously designed for little kids to have their attention because it's mm-hmm. it's visually it and is loud that, and singing yeah. and everything. Yeah. But the actual message at the end of Inside Out is you need sadness. Yeah. You need, to, you are going to be depressed at times. And it's healthy. And it's healthy. And it's like, that's made for five, six, seven year olds. Yeah. And obviously they don't get that idea. They, they see the pretty characters and the pretty pictures. But when they get older, then they'll get under understand it. And then you've got like... Up. Up, you've got death. With death and everything. Um, probably my favorite over the last few years has been Coco. Coco is such uh, a good film. And like the 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 idea of again death and being forgotten. Mm-hmm. But it's even like you look at Frozen and people go, "Oh, that's more of a girls' film because it's Disney princess." Yeah. Well, Disney queen actually. She's the only queen. But at the same time, the boys play a much bigger role in it as well. The I think that now that kids' films, like, I would have looked at Mighty Ducks and I'd be like, that's not for me. Mm. I am not the target audience. And I probably wasn't the target audience. You look at Beauty and the Beast and you weren't the target audience for that film. Whereas now you look at things like, you look at Moana, you look at Tangled, you look at Frozen. They target it more in the middle. Yes, there's always going to maybe be a little bit of a skew to one side depending on who the main character is but you watch something like Tangled and you've got Flynn Rider having a great time and boys like he's cool and I want to be like him yeah and then you've got the girls like Rapunzel is so great it, it they're but, targeting things much much more equally now uh, and I think so but also that the, it's the targeting films for example when you go to see a Marvel movie mm-hmm. yes it's a 12 year but you're going to be there with seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds in that film. So kids' movies generally are the same movies that we're going to see. Yeah. It's just maybe you won't see blood and there won't be boobs well, and well, swearing. Well, well, that's it. Well, there's no blood in Marvel movies, really. No, there's not. Um, there's no swearing. 
really because you always have to get, try and get that 12 year certificate that's what I found interesting about um, when we went to go see Harley Quinn yeah well it's an R rated film it's an yeah. R rated film but there wasn't as much blood in it as I expected it had different violence mm. but and, and that's the thing is we don't really get yes you do get your kids movies but even stuff like Despicable Me and the Minion stuff like people Sonic the Hedgehog came out last week and people were criticising now I haven't seen it so I can't really talk about it but mm-hmm. again that's one I think and so I've listened to people say like it's made for kids it's not made for adults so why are we judging it by the same parameters of, of plot and of theme and of whatever yeah. it's not it's, it's there to entertain children yeah it's not there to entertain adults yeah whereas I think nowadays when you've got such a wide spectre of movie releases, like for example Marvel films, that is the new kids movie. Yeah, it's we now look at it and go, okay, Marvel is for kids and it's for us, so therefore it has to tick all the boxes and for Harry, everybody. And Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. But then you could look at the new Sonic film and if people are going, well, it doesn't hit the adult boxes, go, yeah, because it's for kids. Yeah. Okay, we've maybe got to stop judging things uh, as we see in adult eyes, which is why I try to look at this through kids' eyes, um, through both of them. I'm really sorry, I did find it very hard for Mighty Ducks. But I think that, again, is because I didn't watch a lot of live-action mm. stuff until I got older. For me, kids' films has always been cartoon. Yeah. So for me, watching Five All was easier to look at it as I was a kid because to me it's like, kids watch cartoons yeah so but yeah i think it's maybe we've maybe got to we've got to maybe be a little bit more lenient when it's something that is obviously maybe for a younger generation mm. rather than just writing it off we've got to go but would a kid would would child me enjoy it would yeah. i would would child me enjoy the lights and the colors and the graphics and everything else and that's where i think so the Mighty Ducks for me is just because you relate to it. Yeah. As a young boy who played sports, I completely related to that environment. But no, I think that's quite good. I think that's We've enough. Had for, a little chat. Yeah. We'll have to history makers next week. Yes. So we'll come back with one um, with a special episode next week. But yeah, that's it for another episode of His Film Her Movie. That is it. Go out. Release your inner child and yeah. watch a watch a throwback, watch a nostalgic film this week. We've got another blowing storm going on. Storm Hall here. No, it was Storm George. Hall here. Oh. Well, whichever storm it is, it's not like it's the first we've had this week. It's the third in three weekends. So I think go off, watch a nostalgia film, make yourself feel good again. Yeah. Stay inside. Don't go to the gym because it'll be cold. No. Stay in and watch a film. But yeah, as always, rate, review, like us, do all that, follow us on social medias. We are podsyndicate.com. Yes. And we'll be back next week.